listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, November the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and today is a Bible study. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. And the reason we're going to be looking at that is because we're in the Thanksgiving week, and this does have something to say about Thanksgiving. So, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verse 8. The Bible study is used for congregations to listen to for about a half hour and then talk about after we are off the air. And today, Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 8. So, it begins. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, what's this talking about, darkness versus light? The spiritual realm that God deals with is really impossible to understand with human words. So what God does is that he gives analogies or metaphors as to we were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. The, the word gar- darkness here does refer, have you ever been in a cave where it gets so dark you, you can't even see your hand in front of your face? That's how you were born in regard to God. There was no way you could even envision God properly. In in fact, the proof of that, you cannot find a religion in the world outside of Christianity that presents a God that is like the Christian God. Well, what other religion does the God become a human being in order to suffer and take away your sins so that you are forgiven and are saved without doing one work. That's proved, of course, by the fact that we baptize infants. The infant does nothing except receive the wonderful baptism. And that's what this is talking about. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And the word light sometimes refers to that which is emitted by a lamp, or it can be a heavenly light, such as surrounded the angels when they appeared on earth. For example, to the shepherds, there was great light. But one of the best examples of Jesus as light is the transfiguration. In fact, Peter was so overcome that he thought, well, maybe we should build worship places for Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. And the Bible even says he did not know what he was talking about. Because a worship place would be appropriate for Jesus but not for Elijah and Moses. Therefore, 
we should walk as children of light. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's think of the way we come to God by adoption. We are not begotten into the family of God. There's only one, and that was Jesus Christ. But we are adopted. Now, can you imagine being adopted by individuals who rob banks and do other criminal acts? You would grow up walking like them because they would teach you, well, these things are not wrong. Uh, we deserve to have this money, etc. But if you were adopted by a Christian family, then you would learn a whole new way of behavior. And when you're in that family, you would be walking according to the guidelines of those parents. So when it says walk as children of light, we have here Paul explaining in verse 9 what that means. It's walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And it includes goodness, righteousness, and truth. One of the best verses to look at would, of course, be Matthew and the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember, the sheep are commended for walking in the light. But we can't say that the goats weren't doing the same thing. For example, one item is that the sheep were visiting people in prison. Well, goats, unbelievers, they also visit people in prison. Why are they not saved? Because God isn't talking about the outward action. He's talking about the inward motivation. We have chaplains in the Lutheran Church in most prisons of the country because it is a great harvest when someone is in prison. Their sin becomes very obvious. They're alone. They're afraid. And the message of Christianity really helps them to overcome their fear. And that way, in verse 10, it says, When you walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth, you are proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, some translations say that you're proving what is acceptable. Others talk about trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Those are probably better translations for this word to prove. And the reason for that is because you are examining what the Holy Spirit desires you to do. Where do you get that information? Well, you get it from the Scripture. Uh, there are many passages that talk about those who walk in darkness and all the sins they do in contrast to those who walk in light. Therefore, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, 
but rather expose them. See, this is the use of the law, to expose them, or another translation is to reprove them. Law and gospel. The law has the purpose of accusing us of being sinful. And therefore, when we take a look at fruits of darkness, we expose them. We say, no, that is not what God desires you to do. In verse 12, it's even shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, we're living in a society that a lot of the immorality is no longer done in secret. I mean, every time you watch a movie on television and uh, two people get to like each other, uh, they end up having relations even though they're not married. And it's happening again and again and again. That kind of observation on the part of children gets them to think that, well, that's okay to do those things. But it is shameful even to speak of doing those things. Verse 13, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Now, what does that mean? to be made manifest by the light. Well, the word manifest here simply becomes, they become visible by the light of God. Look at Jesus. Look how many things he would talk about. He would say, well, you know, there were two men who went up to the temple to pray, uh, one a tax collector who said, have mercy upon me, I'm a sinful person, and the other a Pharisee who, thank God he wasn't like the tax collector because He was doing ceremonial laws. Well, the light exposes, as Jesus did, that those who think they're going to get to heaven because they're following ceremonial laws, no, they're not going to be saved. But those who repent of their sins and look to Jesus Christ alone for salvation, then they are indeed saved. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, who are those that are sleeping? The fact of the matter is, is we often may fall asleep at the wheel. What does that mean? That we end up doing something that's not appropriate because we get tired. I mean, how many accidents occur, and you see them on television all the time, where a car suddenly moves into the oncoming lane and hits another car dead on? So when we talk about all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, we are to awake. And the word awake means to be aroused. How many times have you maybe fallen asleep at the wheel and gone off the road a little bit, and then you're so happy when the road wakes you up, you're really aroused. And it takes a while 
before you're going to be sleepy again, for sure. And that's what Christ does. Christ will give you the light. He will give you the direction to go, which moves to verse 15. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The new King James says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, in verse 15, uh, there are interesting words here. For instance, the word for unwise are those who are unaware of what is going on around them. And therefore, it's important that we walk carefully, not as fools. In in fact, uh, the word fool also means the foolish one. Uh, How many times do we sin because we're foolish in what we are doing? The next phrase is interesting, verse where it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does that mean? Well, it's rescuing from loss. That's what the word redeem means. It's used to how they would buy someone out of slavery. They would be redeemed. And and that was a wonderful thing that was happening to be freed from slavery. Well, we can free up the time. We can redeem it. We can use it for the proper purpose that God has us to use it, making the most of the time. So when you wake up on Sunday morning and you have nothing else to do, to redeem the time, making the most of it would mean going to a worship service. Because at a worship service, you are hearing about your freedom, freedom from having to obey the law in order to get to heaven, freedom from your sins where you deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. So verse 17 kind of summarizes this. Therefore, do not be foolish or unwise, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, how do we understand what the will of the Lord is? That's actually one of the uses of the law. There's the first use of the law the government uses to curb violence. There's a second use of the law in the church to show people their sin and their need of a Savior. But then when you're a Christian, the third use of the law is information from God as to what you are to be doing in a specific situation. So that's how you redeem the time. You learn what the will of the Lord is, and then because of your faith in Jesus Christ, 
you're motivated to follow that will. And so Paul gives a couple of examples here. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The New King James says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. And you're wondering, what, what, what's dissipation mean? Well, that word is really a compound word and is really talking about falling into abandonment, becoming dissolved in when you drink too much wine. It's not a sin to drink wine or else we can never have the Lord's Supper. But do not do it to the degree where you are no longer filled with the Holy Spirit. And it also leads to debauchery is another translation of dissipation. And debauchery, of course, have you ever been in a place where someone becomes drunk and they start doing things that they never would do if they were sober. Instead, verse 19, how do you overcome this problem? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What's that? That's the word. The ESV says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Why, when we go to a hospital and somebody is afraid of surgery, the majority of times, what do we read to them? We read from the psalms. When we talk about hymns, many of the hymns in our Lutheran hymnal are really quotations from the Bible. And those are the very best of hymns because it's repeating what God has to say. And the Holy Spirit works through the Word. So as we speak to one another in psalms and hymns, and a pastor can tell you how he brings comfort to individuals who are really afraid. I had a woman once, she wasn't afraid of the surgery, but she was claustrophobic. She could not go in an elevator without great fear. And it just so happened her hospital bedroom was on one floor and the surgery was on another. And she was all worried about going into the elevator. So we had some psalms. We spoke to her about promises from God. I saw her soon after the surgery. And she said, to her surprise, she had no fear when they wheeled her into the elevator. Now, that could have been because she already had some drugs in her, making her a little sleepy. But whatever the reason, verse 20 really comes to the forefront. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Now, that's very important to understand that giving thanks. A lot of people may not realize that, but the word for thanks, and that's why I wanted to talk about this today, in the Greek is Eucharisteo. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Eucharisteo is often referred at the Lord's Supper. It's the Lord's Supper, it's Holy Communion, and it's also called the Eucharist. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that Jesus, when he was doing the Lord's Supper, he had given thanks, broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you, and the wine, this is my blood. So the word Eucharist comes from the thanks that Jesus was giving. This was a tremendous sacrament, and a lot of people love to receive the Lord's Supper because it gives them assurance that they are indeed saved by God. So when we're in the light of the Lord, we're to give thanks for all things. And to whom? To God and the Father in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. That's really important to understand, that it's the Holy Trinity, because the Spirit has moved us to do what is necessary in order to show our obedience to God. The last verse reads in the ESV, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting. What does that mean? Well, if you remember from Philippians, we are to submit to the needs of others, not to our own needs. That's what Jesus did. He submitted to the Father. The word submit, actually from the Latin, sub and missio. Sub means under, like submarines. And missio is the, the, the word mission. So when we submit to one another, that's the mission that we have. Remember the second wonderful commandment? The first is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second part, Jesus says, just as important, your neighbor as yourself. So we are to put our neighbor's needs in front of ours, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And there that word fear, phobos, where we get the word phobia, means that, yes, God could send us to hell. And we are afraid of that. But we know that through Christ, he will not send us to hell. And therefore, as Martin Luther says in his commandments, remember how they often begin his explanation, we should fear and love and trust in God above all things. It's that fear that the law gives us that is overcome by the love of Jesus Christ. 
so that's Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 21. We will not be live Thursday and Friday due to Thanksgiving, but we hope to be talking to you on Monday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.